You know, when I say to you that I am not alone, and of course what I'm going to tell you, a lot of my friends know this and it's not new to them, but if I tell you that I'm not alone in not reading of instruction manuals, I think you understand. In fact, it's more than that. I detest instruction manuals. I can't stand them. I remember one time we got a a swing set for our kids when they were little, and I opened this thing, and it was 45 pages. I couldn't even get through the first page. I just detest them. And if somebody gives me a gizmo, I never read the manual. I just keep pushing every button until one works, you know. But I, I admire people who are persistent. I really do. I admire people who can sit there and methodically, systematically, and carefully read the manuals step by step. I really appreciate those people more than I can tell you because, in fact, I thank God for them. More often than not, they rescue me from destroying whatever it is that I'm supposed to be putting together. It works the same way for those of us also who have problem with a sense of direction. Every time I try to follow my instincts, I get lost. Even when I follow directions, I get lost. Because most directions people give you are lousy. Not me, it was them. And like, remember that time I was in New York, this is over 20 years ago, and I remember really was lost, and I was walking around. Finally, I went to a man behind the newsstand, and, and I thought, you know, if I, he tells me which, you know, which is north, which is south, I figure my way, because I looked at the map, and I went to this man, and I said, where is north? He looked at me. In fact, he yelled at me. He said, listen, buddy. He said, we have uptown, we have downtown, we have crosstown. We got no north here. <laughs> well, I remembered it. But it's okay to laugh at people like me who don't read instruction manuals and have no sense of directions, but when it comes to our spiritual instruction manual, there can be no laughing matter. Because, please listen to me, if you don't read it carefully and follow it closely, the lostness can be, and I'm emphasizing the word can be, for eternity. The lostness is not temporary, but for eternity. I read this week about a professor of medicine at Oxford University, who one of his major tasks, he's a prominent man, well-known man, one of the pillars of, of the medical school there. And one of his main tasks, as he introduces those wide-eyed students who are coming in, is to drill in their minds and drill in their hearts and drill in their eyes and drill in their ears the vital importance of attention to details and how much these details can save lives. And he said, you've got to watch with your eyes and you've got to listen with your ears and you cannot miss one single detail. And then in order to enforce the point, he had a, a jar of liquid in his hand. And he said, sometimes... You can diagnose a patient's disease by applying your index finger into that liquid and then placing it on your tongue. And then he put his index finger in that liquid jar, and then he drew his hand toward his mouth. And then he passed the jar of liquid. And that's exactly what they did. They dipped their finger in that liquid, and they put it on their tongues. They moved around, one student after another, until he got to the end. And then, when they all finished, he said to them, let me show you 
where you were not paying attention. Let me show you where you did not understand the message that I'm trying to convey to you. The truth is, you could never diagnose a patient's disease by tasting his urine. (laughs) He said, I placed my index finger in the bottle, but I drew my hand toward my mouth. I've never put my finger on my lips. But none of you have noticed that. I want you to hear me right. There are many people who follow preachers. There are many people who follow teachers. There are many people who follow authors. They read the latest book. They read the latest manuscript. They read the latest this and the latest that. And they follow the preachers and they follow the teachers and they follow the the authors. But I want to tell you something. When you do all of that and you do not follow the Word of God, you have failed. And that is why I have been imploring you throughout this series of messages about the importance of not only reading and not only believing, but obeying the Word of God on a daily basis. But the question is, how, as I bring this series of messages into conclusion, how can you read the Word of God? How can you daily read the Scripture for edification? How can you read it so that you grow into the full stature of Christ? And I have three things, but before I tell you about those three things, I want to give you seven no-nos. Seven things that you must not do when you read the Bible. Seven mistakes that you must not fall into as you read the Bible. Somebody actually called them the seven deadly sins of Bible reading. First one, proof texting. You say, what is that? Well, actually, without using the word, I have been telling you this throughout my ministry career. I have been saying this from the pulpit without mentioning the theological word for it. And it's simply this. Do not take the text out of its what? Context. Let me repeat this. Do not take the text out of what? Context. That's what proof texting is. Let me give you an example. You read in the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where the Word of God said, The Lord said to me, My strength becomes perfect in weakness. So you say to yourself, This verse is for me. This scripture is just for me. I am not going to deal with moral weaknesses in my life. I am not going to deal with any weaknesses in my life. After all, the scripture said, that God's strength becomes perfect in my weakness. But in context, in context does not mean that at all. In context, have you read the context and keep the text in its context? You notice that Paul was suffering physically. He had physical problem. We don't know what it is. A lot of speculation of what it was. And he had prayed to the Lord three times. He said, Lord, remove it, remove it, remove it. And the Lord said, no, Paul, I'm not going to remove it. But instead... God said to Paul, my strength will become perfect in the middle of your physical problem. You see, always put the text in its context because the problem had nothing to do with moral weakness. The problem had to do with physical weakness that Paul had no control over. So you have people making mistakes and living carnal lives because they take a text and they run with it. Second mistake that you must not make as you read the Bible. And that is, you must understand 
the figure of speech. You cannot be literalists in some things. You must understand the figure of speech that the Bible often uses. For example, Jesus said, If your eye causes you to stumble, what did he say? Pluck it out. <laughs> if you took that literally, what will happen? We'll have churches that are full of eyeless people. But this is a Hebrew way of expressing the importance, of expressing the necessity, of expressing the urgency. This is the Hebrew way of saying this is very important. Don't allow your eye to wander constantly, lusting after greed and lusting after money and lusting after people. So please understand the language of the Bible. For example, in the medieval church, they read in the Bible, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. They said, ah, that priest must have the power to transfer the bread into body and the wine into blood. And you know what happened. Error has been taking place for hundreds of years. You see, in Semitic languages with which I grew up, if I get a picture out of my pocket and I say to you, this is my brother. You would say to me, you mean this is a picture of your brother? I say, yeah, that's an English way of expressing it, but the Semitic way of expressing it is say, this is my brother. <laughs> and that's the way Jesus described. He didn't give them a piece of his flesh. He just said, this is a symbol of the body that is going to be torn on the cross for you. Understand the symbols of the Scripture. Third deadly mistake that you must not make in reading the Bible is this. Understand the historical and cultural setting of the Bible. Just because Elijah was called by God to confront the wicked king Ahab and the wicked queen Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and God sent fire from heaven to lick everything inside and take the sacrifice doesn't mean that Every one of us is called to stand up and challenge the wickedness of the authority and call for fire from heaven. That was a specific call upon a specific man at a specific point in history in order for God to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Fourthly, I'm going to move quickly because I'm going to come to the good stuff of how to read the Bible. I hate the negative, but you've got to start with the negative in order to get to the positive. The fourth mistake that you must not make as you read the Bible daily is use a good translation. Use a good translation. I know people used to think that the King James Version is really inspired. In fact, I met some sanctimonious people many years ago used to call it St. James Version. If they knew anything about King James, they wouldn't have called him saint, but that's okay. <laughs> read a good translation of the Bible. Otherwise, you're going to be like this woman who constantly was pestering her pastor and kept saying to him, Pastor, there is somebody else in the Bible who is perfect like Jesus. And he kept saying, no, that's not true. Only Jesus was perfect. Perfection only. No, no, the Bible said there's somebody else who's perfect. And finally, he got so tired of it. He said, now, who is it? She said, Mark. He said, Mark? <laughs> who in the world is Mark. She said, right there in the Bible, in Psalm 37, verse 37, it says, Mark the perfect man. 
while a different translation, a more accurate translation, perhaps would have told her that the Bible says, notice the blameless man. Fifth mistake in reading the Bible that you must avoid is that you do not read into the Bible what you want to read into the Bible. Oh my goodness, I've met more people who have done this thing. I mean, I would go back and I start unraveling stuff. It will, it will blow your mind. I know some of you are feeling guilty right now because I know you've done the same thing. Would you believe it that I've done that myself? <laughs> I know. It's a temptation for all of us. We used to have a Canadian man who came to our hometown when I was growing up in the early 60s. He came 5,000 miles away to preach. He was a lousy preacher. Let me tell you something. I may be young, but I knew he was a lousy preacher. I mean, he could not preach his way out of a wet Kleenex. <laughs> and everybody was wondering, where in the world this guy is here? Finally, a group of elders got together and they asked him. They said, brother, what? what? Tell us about the call of God upon your life. How how come you you came 5,000 miles away to preach the gospel? And he said, well, what happened? One day, I was frustrated, and my future looked bleak. Nothing is happening in my life. And I prayed, I said, Lord, to show me. And then I opened the scripture. And there my eyes fell upon the text that says, flee to Egypt. (laughs) Flee to Egypt. (laughs) That was for Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. (laughs) It wasn't for this guy. Don't read into the Bible what you want to read into the Bible. Six, don't ever think that you are too brilliant, too clever, too knowledgeable, too able, too capable of reading the Word of God and understanding it and comprehending it without the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. Here's what he said to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. He said, reflect on what I'm saying. Listen to this. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. If you dare to read the Word of God or try to understand the Word of God without the power of God's own Holy Spirit who is the author of the Word of God, you will end up either reading it intellectually and understanding it intellectually or twisting it to suit your purpose. I'm going to move fast. Seven. Final, one of those deadly sins in, in, in Bible reading is that you... Fail to apply the Word of God in your daily life. Fail to draw application of the Word of God into your life. Listen to what A.B. Simpson said. It is so wonderful, I had to quote the whole thing. He said, God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it is a reward for the diligent, a prize for the earnest, but a disappointment to the slothful soul. The nut is hidden in its thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean's waves. The gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of the mountain. The gem is found only after you crush the rock. The very soil gives its harvest as a reward for the laboring farmer. And I think it was Henry Ford who said, cut your own wood 
and you'll be warm twice. You can think about this long time. <laughs> Listen, folks. Five minutes on the run ain't going to cut it. Ten minutes on the run ain't going to cut it. But spending time with God, and I don't care where you take that time out of your television watching, you take it out of whatever you do, whatever you take it from, and spend time with the Word of God. I know it's one thing to tell you the things that you must avoid, but then I have to move on to tell you how to study the Word of God in order that your life will literally be changed and transformed. The Bible said that you're literally going to be transformed every single day, and you're going to move from one point of glory into another. So if you've been stagnant in your Christian life and not being transformed, it's because you have not spent time before God on your knees with His Word. Three questions you must ask yourself as daily you read the Scripture. For question number one, What does the Bible say to the original reader? Secondly, what does the Bible mean by what it says? And thirdly, how can this apply to me today? Three questions. What does the Bible say to the original reader? Now remember that God the Holy Spirit had inspired many people, over 40 writers, in a span of 1,500 years. And this is where the miracle comes in. There is not a book on God's earth that has that many people at different times, and yet the first and the middle and the last all saying the same thing. And so the Holy Spirit inspired these people to write each of these sections to the specific people at a specific time. And therefore, you must ask yourself, what did it mean for those original people who've received that original writing? Moses, for example, was speaking to a group of people that are very different from the ones that Ezekiel spoke to. Moses was speaking to a group of people who had very little knowledge of God and who He is and how He works. Why? Because they have been knee-deep for 400 years into Egyptian paganism. But 1,000 years later, or give or take a few years, Ezekiel the prophet was speaking to a different group of people. He was speaking to a group of people who knew the Word of God, who understood the command of God, but they rejected it. They twisted it. They rationalized it. They tried to get it to suit them. They understood the election to means that they are better than everybody else instead of shoulder-doubling responsibility. So they're speaking in different times and in different places. Paul, for example, had written so many letters. Ephesians, the Colossians, and to the Corinthians, and the Thessalonians. But each letter that he writes, he is answering a specific question or dealing with a specific problem that had arisen to this church. Would you believe the Holy Spirit of God was working His purposes out as Paul answering these questions and dealing with these so that here we are today, 2,000 years later, we cannot find a single problem that the Apostle Paul does not answer? Ask yourself, what was the problem? What was the answer? Secondly, you must ask yourself, what does the Bible mean by what it says? Some people spurn the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, because they do not make sense 
like the world makes sense. Yeah, the world makes sense. The world says, kick your enemy in the teeth, especially when you're angry. It's okay. It's understandable. It makes a lot of sense to the world. But Jesus said, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You know what I began to do of recent times? I personally, this is my personal opinion, consider the ACLU is the most wicked, evil organization around. And you know what? The Lord laid it on my heart. I started praying for the ACLU, for every chapter across the land. Because if I take Jesus, believe what Jesus and his, his logic, then I must do that. I have no other option. The world says, look at for number one. Because that's all that matters. But Jesus said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. It doesn't make sense to the world, but it makes every sense to God and to those who love the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine a college recruiting motto be this? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yeah, best of luck. All the students want to know what the college is going to offer them, how they're going to help them, what social life, and all the good stuff. So always ask yourself the question, what did the Bible mean by what it says? You say, how can I know this? Well, first of all, when you begin your Bible reading, coming under the authority of the Holy Spirit... Asking the Holy Spirit of God to give you insights. He will help you. Have a Bible dictionary next to you. Strong's Concordance, whatever it is. Just use an aid. It doesn't matter. Keep it handy. So for something you don't understand, flip the page and look at it. Finally, ask yourself the question, how can this apply to me today? More often than not, if you begin your Bible reading by asking the Holy Spirit of God to guide you and give you insight, He will. More often than not, it's rarity that I would be reading the Word of God and I would not sense the Spirit of God be saying to me, Michael, this is for you. This encouragement is meant for you. This rebuke is meant for you. This challenge is for you. This warning is for you. This exhortation is meant for you. I want you to listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about reading the Bible. By the way, if you're going to say to yourself, well, that was Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he's a great theologian. You know, but I, I'm, I'm a layman. <laughs> Let me tell you, that man dropped out of school at the age of 15. That's it. <laughs> he didn't go back. And yet, I promise you, there's not a pastor anywhere in the world does not have a shelf of Spurgeon's books from one end to the other. How? Diligence, application, and coming under the authority of the Holy Spirit. God gave him more insights, more powerful insights than some of the great theologians. Listen to what he said about the Bible. He said, what the Bible has wrestled with me. The book has smitten me. That book has comforted me. That book has confronted me. 
This book smiled upon me. This book frowned on me. This book clasped my hands. This book warmed my heart. This book weeps with me and sings with me. It whispers to me and it preaches to me. It maps out my way and holds up my goings. It is a young man's best companion. And it's still my morning and evening chaplain. I thought of practical way, and I am extremely reluctant, as most of you know, to talk about what I do because I really don't want people to go out and say, oh, this must be the only way you do things. Now, let me explain something to you. There are a lot of ways and methods from software on computer to stuff you can get from the Christian bookstores. There are varieties of ways in which you can read through the Bible. I honestly just counted from the top of my head of what I know. Well, over 13 or 14 different ways. But I find that in my own devotions, not in my study for sermon preparation, if you see that Bible, it'll fall apart. But for my own personal devotion, I came across the chronological Bible. And it goes January 1 and December 31. I know my weaknesses, so I know that I need discipline. And so I began. The good thing about this daily Bible reading is that he begins by giving you a history timeline. And then the little gray section there where he marks notes so that you follow up what happened, what's coming next, what has happened, and it gives you some explanations. And every time I try to change, it doesn't work. So for my own personal edification, I've got to read the Bible first thing in the morning, Day one, until it's finished. Day two, until it's finished. If I don't finish, which is very seldom, I still make time during the day, at night or something, to finish the Bible reading of the day. And that's what I mean. As you spend time with God, feed upon His Word, He's going to speak to you. He's going to show you. He's going to make you grow. And you're going to move from one point of glory into another. Oh, Lord Jesus... We confess that we've got so many powerful enemies that are trying to stop us from reading your word, meditating upon your word, studying your word, being challenged by your word, and being motivated by your word. And Lord, we know that the reason the church is in the mess that's in today is because your people have neglected your word. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you will encourage us, each of us. I thank you for those who made a genuine commitment to read your word. And I pray that you continue to encourage them. And I pray for those who have not, that today it would be not an emotional and not a momentary decision, but a constant decision. Give us hunger for your word, Lord. And so that we cannot go without it for a day any more than we can go without food. And so, Father, give us thirst that we would drink deeply and that not only we be transformed, but we may transform the world around us. For, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.com. Dot org. That's ltw.org.